I'm going to start right now. Uh, welcome to another episode of The Artistic Director. I am sitting here with Rebecca Beck. Rebecca, how are you doing? Good, thanks. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you so much for sitting down with me. Um, so for the listener who's not familiar with you, can you give a history of yourself in the performance world that led you to being the artistic director of uh, the Actors Repertory Theater of Idaho? <laughs> sure. I uh, interested in theater from, from you know, age young age and then through high school I did theater. I went to college at the University of Nebraska in Lincoln and um, uh, got a Bachelor of Fine Arts in theater so always had an interest in theater. After I graduated I moved to Jackson Hole, Wyoming uh, (laughs) because I was married and my husband got a job uh, where we could ski for free and uh, and then uh, I did theater there at the Pink Garter Theater and the Jackson Hole Theater Company for several years while I was working in daycare. Moved here to Idaho Falls um, and looked up the first theater I could find to, mm-hmm. so that I could get involved and I, I did a couple one-act plays and then ended up becoming involved as an actor and then slowly evolved into quite a bit more, obviously. But, um, so I've just always, always been interested in theater and not continually done it my entire life. Yeah, just got experience and moved up the chain yep, and here you yep. are. And then I did, um, knowing I couldn't get a, a, a very good job with the Bachelor of Fine Arts if I wasn't going to be a professional actor somewhere, mm-hmm. I did go back to ISU and get my teaching certificate. Yes. And now I'm a drama teacher at the one of the local high schools. That is wonderful. Uh, so I like to start off my podcast by asking all my guests the same question. Okay. And it is a big ambiguous, almost too vague for its own good type (laughs) of question. So feel free to answer it however you want. Uh, But the question simply is, what is your artistic direction? My artistic direction? Uh, I think it's very similar in both my realms of theater, but for the Actors Repertory Theater, it is to provide our audiences with... uh, with now I'm like oh you're right it is very vague uh, no or ambiguous uh, to really um, provide our audiences with an entertain with entertainment that pushes the envelope for not only the community but also for for individuals to look and think outside of the box and reflect on what's happening both in a humorous way you know and more dramatic way. Uh, and, and to continually push that as our society grows, yeah. uh, and that's a that's a difficult thing in Idaho Falls, and maybe that's something we can talk about later. But um, because of uh, our the conservative community, yeah. because of uh, religious beliefs in the area, you know, just overall we have. We have this little kind of bubble, and mm-hmm. I'm sure you've talked about that in other communities. Absolutely, I think. Um, we we really try to push that and pull nice. in the audience that would not normally go to, uh, you know, to see Seven Brides for Seven Brothers mm-hmm. or, you know, and it, no offense to those shows or that, but the, the non-family type fair. Yeah. Uh, so I, I'm just, let's get into it. Okay. <laughs> uh, I think theater is a dialogue between the theater company and the community. Absolutely. Uh, and so when you when you present something, it's not just a one-way street. You enter into this sort of dialogue. And that's like what good theater invokes, right? Exactly. Um, 
So I'm, I'm curious, how do you push that envelope, especially with a more conservative community, while not just completely alienating your audience so they end up coming back to the theater? Right. Well, sometimes I feel like we do alienate <laughs> our audience. Um, we, uh, well, first of all, having a season has really helped with that. Yeah. When it was individual shows, it you felt much more inclined to pick a show that the audience would like, mm-hmm. happy, happy, you know, leave laughing. Uh, and then you would know that you would bring them back again for that same sort of, you know, theatrical fare. Like, yeah. come on in and laugh and we'll be ha- have a good time. When we created a season, we knew that we were, um, we were giving ourselves the opportunity to throw in and at least push the envelope once or twice a season because people had bought the season tickets. And so, you know, now they have their ticket for all four shows. And I don't mean it to sound like it's a trap, yeah. but, um, but it's a way to say, come see everything we have to show you. You know, of course we're going to do, and we do, we do the really goofy, fun stuff. I don't know if you're familiar with Sam Bobrick or um, the Wootens. Yeah, okay. No, okay. <laughs> you know, and... Um, uh, Jane Milmore and oh, okay. yeah, th- Billy Van names. Zandt. Yeah, yeah, like the senator wore pantyhose and you know what I mean, those kinds of things. So so to be uh, to create that season has really allowed us to start to do that. Yeah. Um, we did uh, probably push the envelope as far as I'm pr- as I think it could go uh, this last um, fall with the show Money Shot okay. by Neil DeBute. I'm actually not familiar with it. Well, my mother came and said it was similar to porn, um, and we had lots of negative comments, lots, uh, though people laughed the whole time. I see. You know, I mean, yeah. but some of the language and the, not just the language, but the, it, there was some, you know, very sexual talk that, yeah, I mean, that got people uncomfortable. The title is Money Shot. So yeah. It's like, I A lot of people did not know what that was. So, <laughs> so that started the problem, <laughs> but, um. But then at the same time, we had a probably, I would say, 70% of our audience that loved it yeah. and brought in new people that we had never had before who wanted to see cutting-edge theater, who wanted to, you know, go to the Quentin Tarantino movie, basically. Yeah. You know, I mean, that wanted something different. So it, it is not an easy balance. And it's, a real, it's frustrating as an artistic director yeah. and as a theater company, too. Yeah, that's I. Uh, I have this like sort of sliding scale that I envision in my mind for artistic direction, where you you have your own artistic sensibilities, and then the community has their art- artistic sensibilities. Uh, and if you exist totally on your like, if you make choices just based on your artistic sensibilities, uh, your theater sort of it, it does a thing where you completely alienate your audience. You're, you're not in a dialogue anymore. But if you go all the way to the community sensibilities. You're not doing anything challenging, and your theater becomes stale, I think, uh, pretty rapidly. How do you manage that sliding scale, though, uh, in, a, in a community such as Idaho Falls? Uh, well, I, I hope this doesn't sound crass, but we, in some respects, disregard a certain part of the population. Okay. We, our motto, and it's been posted on our posters for years, is for mature audiences only. Of course, yeah. that depends on 
who's talking about what mature is. Yeah. Um, some yeah. of our stuff may seem absolutely immature, depending yeah. on what you... <laughs> but, um, and so, so in some respects, we've just said, we're not going to concern ourselves yeah. with this portion of the population. We're going to pull in... Um, pull in not necessarily the younger crowd, because we have a lot of, uh, my audience would hate me, but older, you know, older folks, but um, just the less conservative, the more liberal, yeah. liberal folks. And um, so we know that they are, for the most part, our audience. Yeah. Uh, we don't bring in, you know, we and we don't do... As much as I love some of these shows, and I get to do them at the high school, like Arsenic and Old Lace, or yeah. you know, we just don't, we just typically don't do a lot of that type of theater. We try to pull something newer off. Um, you know, we just get on the list of Broadway shows, Tony Award winners. You know, we we try to see as much as we can elsewhere. But now I feel like I've lost the question. But it, it, it's yeah. hard. Yeah, it's hard to keep scale, it on yeah. that scale. I think that we do throw in one that typically, you know, is kind of goofy. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of. We just did one called Fleming, uh, an American thriller, which was not my favorite. I mean, I thought the cast was great. I thought it was fun. But for me, it's not the kind of theater mm -hmm. that I would choose to, or seek out to go see. But then I would have gone to money shot somewhere i would have seen, you know what i mean so yeah. there's this um we did skull and connemara by martin mcdonough and uh it was pretty it was it was also a pushy gosh we did two in a row that we did money shot and then we did skull and connemara most people had most people were concerned with the the dialect which i thought was done very well but they didn't want to put the work into it you know it's i see to have to listen to a dialect and get used to it. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's uh, it's it's hard. That's... Yeah. And then on the sort of more... I guess more administrative side, there's also... I'm guessing you have some actors or some people who are part of the theater with more conservative sensibilities. Uh, or is that... or I mean, I guess a lot of people in theater are pretty... Liberal. No, but we do. But and it's, it's strange because sometimes you don't realize it. We wanted to do um, two years ago... I propose the reindeer monologues, which I think is absolutely hilarious. Mm -hmm. It is nasty. Yeah. <laughs> and um, <clears throat> we, I proposed it, and strangely enough, everyone trusted me in that it was going to be an extra show. And so I was saying, let's do this as an extra. It's a good Christmas. We have kind of a spot in December that is open. And everyone agreed, voted on the board. And then a couple people started reading it. Oh. And uh, <laughs> there were at least two folks, good friends of mine, board members, but who absolutely refused, were up in arms. Just, um, and I couldn't understand it. I thought it was hilarious, you know. Yeah. I, um, and so we had a large discussion. First of all, not to only trust one person to ever choose a show. <laughs> you know, I mean, normally we have a long discussion. We have a, you know big board meeting everyone yeah. reads everything but um and i and i sort of took that personally in a way i was like oh well you know yeah sorry i don't know what to do but um so conservative to a certain extent everybody has a different level of yeah. conservatism yeah. and we hit we hit the spot with that um, one for some reason push that out yeah a friend of yeah. mine who works in la said um wait a minute 
you couldn't do reindeer monologues, but you did the money shot. What? What? And I said, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> you know, there's just a fine line yeah. between that. So we do have um, some, and then also fiscally conservative members. I'm, I don't worry myself with the money very much at all, uh, <clears throat> but, uh, but I have those board members who say, okay, I don't think that's going to make any, you know what I mean? Yeah. That doesn't look like something that's going to bring people in or that. And we do need to make money because we have this building to yeah. upkeep and mo- even monthly costs are huge. So then that money thing comes in, which yeah. is kind of the pits. I'm curious, uh, in a theater, you develop friendships. You're talking about how they're great friends with you. But there's a balance. There's a balance of professionalism and, and being friends. And there's a line that needs to get drawn somehow. Um I, I guess, like, how do you ensure as an artistic director that you can stay professionally, uh, I'll say regimented, mm-hmm. uh, during the during the actual process of deciding the shows, uh, yeah, discussing you know actors or the whole the whole process, uh, and make sure that that doesn't start seeping into the friendship side and negatively affecting that. Right. Well, sometimes it does. Yeah. Just plain and simple. Um, my best friend is on the board of directors, and my husband is on the board of yeah. directors. And uh, we've been on the, you know, on, often on the board for twenty some years. And so, typically, and but those are the people that I don't usually have to worry about. Yeah, I can, you know. Um, but then there are board members, and it is not an easy. It is not an easy line to balance. I. I'm not even sure if I know how to do it. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of times it just ends up in a, listen, this is business. Yeah. Kind of, you know, <laughs> knock on the head. We've got to talk about this business like yeah. we can't. Um, and I don't know that we've, 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 we've figured yeah. that out. Yeah. I think we, we, we are constantly trying. Uh, several years ago, we had to bring a mediator in for um, a couple issues that seemed somewhat professional, but also so we couldn't decide, I think, I how professional, how, you know, um, yeah, personal. personal they were. So we just said, we're going to bring in a mediator and we're going to all sit down and talk about this like, you know, rational human beings. Yeah. Um, so we don't, but it's not easy. Do you think the introduction of a mediator was effective? Yes. Okay, great. Yes. I yeah. think it's, it, we haven't used one since, but I think it, it freed us to know that that's there, to know that we need to work through it as best we can, but there is always an alternative that will... There's a true neutral part. Yeah, true neutral, true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay, I want to shift pretty dramatically. This building in 2011, uh, it didn't entirely burn down, but there was a pretty substantial fire. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm just, like, that is devastating. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, and I, I'm just curious, how did it affect the theater, and in what ways did you uh, take measures to ensure that the theater bounced back to be what it is today? Oh well, the first thing we said was we were standing outside on Broadway, watching it, smoke coming out, and the firemen, and uh, we were we were devastated. But even when we were standing out out there the several of the board members were there and we said we have to be able to put on shows before before (laughs) we even knew what the what the damage was we started talking about 
where would we perform? We had a season. We already had people rehearsing for a show. And what were we going to, you know, what were we going to do? And um, we knew it meant either finding a new space or working through it. I mean, we just, we, that was never a question for us. Um, and I think that was the first, the first thing was that we all agreed. This is not going to put, we're not going to yeah, let we're it. We're hunkering down. Yeah, we're hunkering down. We're going to do it. We, um, and it was not easy. We had just put in brand new bathrooms and they burnt down. Um, <laughs> and they were like $60,000, you know, for yeah. really nice restrooms. And um, so, but the next, and we were all excited to show them off to our audience. Yeah. But the next show, they had to go to porta potties outside. So, <laughs> so that, it was a little depressing. But, um, but our, and our audience, Oh my gosh, when we had to clean out the building, our audience members came and helped us. Yeah. We have video of them, you know, pulling things out and helping us. And, and we had a lady um, who let us, who owns a storage unit that let us put everything that was good in the storage unit. And, and, and then we started making plans on how we were going to slowly, can, you know, hopefully not too slowly, but make it work. And we, we did. Sometimes we look back and we go, what? <laughs> yeah. It is, it's, it's interesting, I think, when there's a, a, I'll use the word devastating again, uh-huh. event. Uh, it does, it shows you how rapidly the community is able to rally and, and sort of support something that they believe in. I Absolutely. think that's really, really important. Yeah. You only build that if you have uh, a theater that strives to do uh, interesting and excellent work. Yeah, uh, I, I think so. And now you look around. And we have a, I can't remember, I'm not the, like I said, I'm not the financial person, but we have the hundred, we had just started putting in the, the, uh, um, the water system, the sprinkler system mm-hmm. when the fire, uh, when the fire happened. That's kind of ironic. It is, but um, <laughs> they, they had the hose, uh, the hose hooked up, the sprinklers didn't work yet, but they said if they hadn't had the hose, it would have burned down the whole, the whole block. Oh. So they were able to nice. turn it. So we were lucky that way. But but now there's no, we make sure everything is fire safe. I mean, yeah. we, we just go, <laughs> it's kind of a, a running joke here that yeah. we don't want to have anything burned down. But, um, but yeah, it did bring us together. It brought the members together, the uh, actors back together. It was almost like a cast party, yeah, you know what I mean, like, yeah. in a strange way. That's cool. Um, so, so you're obviously in touch with the community, even if you disregard like a, a portion yeah. of them. And disregard's a pretty strong word, but yeah, I know. I feel bad saying that, but yeah. I mean, there's like I I understand this part of Idaho has a pretty substantial LDS population, mm-hmm. and there are a lot of shows that that community just simply will not come right. to. And there's a certain point where you are you're sliding too far towards the community side and then you're stifling your creative like abilities. Right. So being uh, in charge of a theater that uh, sort of pushes the envelope, where do you think, where do you see theater in the future going? In what direction do you think, uh, what, what do modern audiences want and what makes people come back to the theater? Well, that's tough. I hope it's yeah. not just Disney remakes. Yeah. <laughs> That's, that's for the movies. Yeah, yeah you know what movies. I mean? Like, yeah. um, <clears throat> but I, I think that's tough. I think um, 
I think we're, we're doing it right now. We're heading in that direction, and I'm, it's a very slow. It's, mm-hmm. it's sort of an evolutionary, like, societal. It's, it, it mirrors that so much. Yeah. Uh, however, I think because we're in this little northwestern area, you know, with the, the LDS population and, and even the non-LDS population being a little more conservative, mm-hmm. I mean, we're definitely um, a red state, you know, yeah. I mean, in terms of that. So... Um, just introducing more and more, um, yeah. and doing it, it for the most part, it, I think they, they like it to be fun. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like I know exactly it, what you, you mean. can, you can hit people over the head with a lot more when it's funny yeah. than, than when it's super serious. But, um, but I think that's tough. I, I find it very hard to talk, uh, younger people into coming to theater mm-hmm. now um and we look around and and god bless my audience but we do say when this table dies what are we going to do <laughs> you know what i mean how are we going <laughs> to fill that season ticket yeah. because we do have some older folks and we're trying to bring in younger um mm-hmm. younger people so theater scares me that way yeah. i mean i think it's going to continue it has for you know thousands of years but it with technology and all of that that is out there it it seems harder and harder yeah because the the question is now why would an audience member come out and see live theater when they can just stay at home and watch netflix exactly and that's a i've asked that to multiple artistic directors and i don't think i've gotten a clear way to combat that i don't either and and first of all the experience they have to have had the experience at some point yes exactly so then it's tough to say we don't do children's theater Mm. or we don't do because that's where you get them you know you start to hook people in um obviously i'm a high school teacher so i see a lot of those kids yeah i feel like i spend a lot of time grooming my kids (laughs) to you know, if they're going to stick around, do, you know, yeah. come do, and I get them involved in, in Artie all the time, but, uh, it's tough and their experience has to be good. Exactly. And I, you know, I recently went to a show and I was so, ugh, that I, and all I could think of was if I were a high school student watching this or a college age student i would be thinking i am never coming to the theater again you know and and that's a scary thing because there's no guarantee where you go i mean the more you see the 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 more you learn but also um if you're not a theater person Mm -hmm. or you know um then that can scare you off and you can be like i'm never doing that again that was boring one thing that i think is a is tough with new audiences is time and newer plays are shorter and obviously because we like things quick and you know and um and so that but the newer stuff is usually the more cutting edge language ridden you know i mean typically those shows uh the newer shows the tony award winners or you know have have a lot of language in them or 
a more serious yeah. bin. So then you go back and you do something that's older and it's two hours and, you know, <laughs> right? I mean, two hours, two hours and 30 minutes and they don't get out of here till 10 o'clock at night. And yeah. they're like, oh, you know. So, so that is a, that's kind of a tough thing too because I think it does need to be a little shorter, not as, but you're working with plays. Yeah. You're not going to... You don't cut plays. You don't. We we would never cut or change language or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, so. As an educator, I, I um, I've taught comedy to uh, ages ten through eighteen, and the way that I always view it is that I am uh, second second on my list is uh, loading them with the tools and supplying them with skills. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the primary thing on my list is to leave them with a good taste in their mouth. Like, leave them feeling good about their experience in the theater world. Absolutely. Um, if you're teaching or if you're fostering younger uh, talent, I will say, how do you um, how do you ensure that they have an enjoyable experience so that when they get older, the theater isn't this, like, thing where they're like, oh, that was a chore this one time when I was young, yeah. so I'm never going to engage with it again. Right. Uh I don't know. I want to just say I I have my my motto at school is this work is fun. <laughs> Do you know yeah. what I mean? If you're not having fun doing this work, then yeah. but it should be the work should be fun. Yeah, which is a hard concept sometimes for kids <laughs> to think, you know, to con to to grasp. But I really believe that, like the work of figuring out your motivation and, you know, working through your blocking so that it makes sense to you and that it's natural and that your character is fulfilled and complete and it should be fun. Um, Now I'm not sure where my thought pattern went. This is what you'll get from me every once in a while. Uh, Now I'm lost. But, oh, I think think it's tough. And then... but I, but it just needs to, it does need to be fun, Yeah. but it also needs to be work and it's learning and it's, and, oh. Yeah. I mean, this is sort of just like following up with the same question, but how do you ensure that it is a fun experience for students? Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. That's what you asked to begin. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, not quite, but yeah. I don't know. Okay. I mean, That's I really fine. don't. I'm, I, I, do you want to hear an egotistical? I'm fun and I love it. Like, <laughs> yeah. I love it. Maybe that's the answer. Like, I love, love my job. Yeah. And I go, uh, I mean, I look forward every day to play practice, mm-hmm. play practice, you know, yeah. rehearsal. Um, I look forward to bringing in new kids. I kick myself, you know, for some things, but. But I love it, mm-hmm. and I think that probably is the, the best way to do it. That translates, yeah. Absolutely. That translates to your students, for um, sure. I wanted to go back to your point about mm-hmm. the um, the making – well, it, it's not going back. It's yeah. sticking with this point. But um, the thought I had at one point at – oh, God, I do this all the time. <laughs> My students say, complete your sentence. Yeah. Um, so I used to take my students to the dis- district and state competitions, which yeah. I know a lot of people love. And my kids at Skyline get really uptight with me. They're like, why can't we? Why can't we? Well, uh, the three times that I went, I took kids and 
the kids that I thought were really exceptional did not do well at districts because parents parents were judging and a lot of maybe unqualified people or people unfamiliar with theater and what we were, you know, what I was teaching. And then we would go to state and I would see some really great stuff, but I thought some of my stuff that should have gone to state should have won. Mm -hmm. And we left every time we went, my kids left depressed and they had fun socially but theatrically and as a learning experience, they were more, def- they were, I, I mean, that we'd be on the bus coming home and people, you know, <laughs> and I felt like some of that was justified. I felt like, yeah. and then I also felt like it looked like it was my fault because I like brought them with the wrong material, but I really felt like we had done the right, some of the right things. Mm-hmm. Um, so I stopped because I was like, I don't want my kids leaving feeling like they have failed somehow. Yeah. Um, and then we found the ISU one act competition and it is fabulous. <laughs> they bring in uh, professors from University of Utah, Utah yeah. State, ISU, you, you know what I mean? All people who get it. People who get it and they're the they're the um, they're the judges and you're working as a team, not just individually mm-hmm. as an actor, you're working as a team putting together a play. You know, having fun and their workshops have been great. And my kids have experienced joy in, you know, I mean, not just we did win this last time, but the last two times we did it. But we got our critiques back and we felt great. We entertained people. and, And so making it fun is what it's all about. It's crucial. Yeah. Um. Is there anything that we haven't talked about so far about artistic direction or uh, directing or acting or anything uh, that you want to talk about? Oh, I have no idea. Okay, um, that's I, totally could, fine. I could just—that's <laughs> totally fine. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I could go on forever. It's like, but I don't know. I wouldn't know where to begin. Okay, so I'll, I'll give a <laughs> beginning point uh, because so I have a phrasing that uh, one of the past interviews said that's really been stuck in my head. Um, she said that uh, she, when she is an artistic director, she is creating an ecology, uh, like like a biosphere that like has a bunch of living organisms that all have to interact with each other um, in sort of, I guess, in harmony. Um, another thing I think is that when people come to a theater, they all have their own specific intentions uh, and I'll say their own quote-unquote artistic directions, mm-hmm. whether or not they've uh, explicitly stated it. I'm curious, as the artistic director of a, of a business, sometimes those intentions are not going to quite align with the intention of the theater entity itself. How do you give your theater community a direction while still honoring uh, everyone else's intentions and not sort of just stifling them and saying, no, no, you're wrong? How do you incorporate their intention into the theater's intention? just a lot of a lot of um, discussion and understanding of the people that are part of your organization and I assume you're talking about the you said the theater community yes, meaning yeah. like the actors the the artistic folks not that not that our audience isn't artistic but yeah, um, yeah understanding them knowing who they are uh, and 
I, th- I think I try to honor that when I'm when I'm doing things. Do you know what I mean? When mm-hmm. when I'm and I'm not the one that solely picks. I'm the one who organizes that whole um, that whole situation, bringing yeah. in plays and keeping up with all of that. But uh, yeah, knowing the the people um, well enough to do that. Uh, it's hard to bring new people in and not, you know, I mean, to know what will bring new people in as not as audience, but as artistically, what, what would make people want to be involved and, and come out and act because that's a hard thing in this community to yeah. find a lot of people yeah. that will spend the time that it takes to do this. Uh, but yeah, it, it's a huge ecosystem and I don't know. <laughs> I think that's a pretty good term for it, but, um, I, we just we just look we certainly one one thing that we do is we look at cast size and we make sure that we have fairly equal men and women for a season we make sure that um, we have smaller roles for people who are not as maybe seasoned yeah. that but we want them to become involved um, uh, are there other aspects like we with um, tuna does Vegas it's two actors, but we needed two dressers. We needed two stage managers. We need, you know, I mean, yeah. and, and and bringing them into a process that's fun and inviting and and gets them involved. Yeah. But um, but that's tough. Yeah. Our our repertory, and we really are a repertory theater. A lot of people don't understand that, and that is that we have a pretty we have a, a core group of about fifteen people who really. Just cycle, we cycle through acting wise, and then we try really hard to pull in new people and then help them become. And then somebody will dissipate, you know, move mm-hmm. away or whatever. But, um, and once we have that group, it's a lot easier that repertory, it's a lot easier to create that yeah. system. Does yeah. that make sense? That makes and, a lot of sense. And, and keep them all involved and make sure that. That I'm not telling them no. Yeah, I'm not very good at saying no, so I don't do that very I often. <laughs> um, I do think I'm right all the time, but yeah. I, <laughs> but I have a pretty good tendency to be able to say, okay, all right, if yeah. you know. Oh, listen, yeah, yeah. Um, so with, with the small community, so you have about 15 people. I'm interested when you have a limited amount of people to pull from. Sometimes you have an artistic vision for a show. And when you're casting, no one quite fills that artistic vision. How do you go about still honoring what you want to do, but you simply don't have the right person at that moment? And how, how do you work with that person? So I don't know, how do you meet that person halfway when they are eventually cast? Yeah. That's really tough. However, I think first we spend a lot of time looking at who we have and what roles are available. I see. Like, like when we sit down, um, I bring in, well, somebody will give me a show and say, I'd like to propose this or have you bring it to the board. And I look at it and I go, we do not have that cast. We don't have, Mm -hmm. you know, these folks here, uh, in terms of age or certainly ethnicity, God help us. We, ethnicity is, yeah. Super white community. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we, yeah, I mean, years ago we did of mice and men, and it took us freaking forever to to find to find um, our our black guy. You know, I mean, and um, I've and I've always wanted to do To Kill a Mockingbird, even at school. 
but that yeah. ain't happening here. Um, at least not until the right person walks in the door. Yeah. So then you have to keep them around for the next season. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, to uh, see if they were, are interested. But it, that's tough. Um, but we really, we really, I think, um, do the the work before. Mm-hmm. So that we don't have to worry about that. Yeah. Does that make no, sense? No, it makes I a mean, sense, we yeah. spend a lot of time saying, okay, we got five men in this show and four women, and then the next show is going to have four women. We got to have eight women because they overlap. Uh-huh. And we've got to find this age, this. Okay, now if we do, maybe we need to flip this around mm-hmm. so that some of these women can. Um, we do a lot of that. Yeah. A, a, quite a bit of that. Yeah. Uh, so, discussion, and this is, I, I'm not quite sure. Yeah, I'll ask it. <laughs> uh, a discussion, especially in bigger cities, uh, in theater, is diversity. is And that's a, a struggle, and it's simply a reality in small towns where it's like Idaho Falls is not super diverse right. uh, in terms of, yeah, it's relatively a white conservative, like there's a certain age range that lives here. Um, my question is, how do you promote and show different diverse experiences uh, in a relatively not diverse town. Whew. Yeah, I know that's um, a big one. Yeah, that's a, I, that's think, a big I think that that is super tough. Yeah. Um, because like some of the, I'll, I'll make lists of plays that I want to do. And first of all, you know, Samuel French and they don't tell you if they need a diverse character. You yeah. just have to order them and read them or get online. <laughs> I mean, I they see. don't just tell you. Um, so, but... It, that is really tough. That yeah. is a tough thing to do. And it's I, hard to put, do yeah, fences. I, I'll tell you how we have done it as, as much as we can in terms of bringing those to the stage. The Eve Ensler play, Good Body, had several different characters of ethnicity in it, but it's meant to be played by just a few women. Mm-hmm. So then you get to bring that in and not have to worry about I mean, you hopefully are portraying those honestly yeah. and... Um, without any kind of stereotypical, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I've lost that sentence. No. But uh, anyhow, so we've been able to do it with some of those types of shows. But yeah. certainly we can't add, I think a lot of our diversity, and I hope this sounds, it comes in terms of um, the LGBTQ community yeah. in, in here. We we do a lot of shows that bring that diversity, you know, and that that aspect to our theater. Yeah. yeah, and and almost, you know, at one point people called us the gay theater, and we were like, okay, whatever, you know, I know, yeah, I'm like okay. Um, so because we were doing so many shows that, and I think maybe that we do overcompensate that way because we can't, yeah. we can't bring in a lot of the other. So yeah, and you uh, you mentioned before we started recording that you have a drag show. Uh, I'm curious, how has the community responded to the drag show? You, you said kind of positively surprising me. Oh. I'm, I'm curious about that, yeah. Yeah, and uh, we, Charlie's Angels in Pocatello. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. So Spike Nogahide comes up, and um, he does, he used to do two shows, but then he started performing at Kiefer's Island over by the river and um, was hugely successful there also. That's a little bit different atmosphere than ours. Ours is a little tamer because it's our older audience mm-hmm. usually. Um, but we have the bar and we do a we do a drag queen bingo where we play bingo That's and a bunch awesome. of our uh, male members dress in drag 
and which the audience just is loves. They're yeah. all hideous. But um, <laughs> no offense, guys. But um, <laughs> uh, so, but it is huge. They love it. They absolutely love it. Great. So we are able to 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 get a nice population yeah. of uh, of the LGBTQ community in. And then they come to see our shows after that. Yeah, you exactly. know, then they're like, oh, so. And Money Shot had a lesbian couple in it and they kissed and a lot of people, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it was oh, not no. easy for everybody, oh, no. yeah. but it was, a, you know. Yeah, it's necessary. It's, it's a window into a world that people, that, that, that's what theater is. Mm-hmm. You're able to see experiences that maybe you haven't encountered in your life and you're able to think about them. Hopefully in different ways. Right, right. Um, and similar to you, maybe. Yeah, exactly. A lot more similar than you might have thought. Exactly. That's, uh, there's, a, there's a metaphor that I've encountered a few times, which is the window and the mirror. So some plays are a window and some plays are a mirror. So the mirror is like, you're seeing, it's like, oh, this is like my life. And then the window is like, this is a different life. And I really like the idea of plays acting as a window that you see a mirror through. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, yeah. oh, the, this different experience actually has a lot of things in common with me absolutely that's i like that very much you know i mean because that really is it's a way of of seeing that and and also live is a little bit different than on a screen because it's it feels live yeah you know and there's not that barrier it's real as opposed to it's a movie it's a tv show it's right here ah those people though sometimes when it's live People have a harder time listening to language, or because it, it's more it's, uncomfortable. It, yeah, it's very interface. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, but absolutely, that's a great metaphor for it. Yeah, I really like it. And the, when you see that mirror through that window, I think that's the conduit for change that's, in an yeah. audience. So like, it, it, even if it's just one person, even if one person like slightly like thinks about the way they've seen the world, I think that means that that play was worthwhile. Absolutely. Um, great. We're uh, right near the end. Okay. Uh, so I like that was a nice little ending. I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so, uh, Rebecca, if people are trying to find you or uh, the Actors Repertory Theater of Idaho or the Phoenix Theater online, uh, are there any plugs that you have to plug in? Oh, absolutely. First of all, you can like us on Facebook um, and we, we use Facebook quite a bit and um and then also we have a website where you can get ticketing and look at our season audition dates and that is a r t i d a h o dot org so it's Artie deho is what we call it sorry not art idaho <laughs> not art idaho but uh, we call it artie deho uh, dot org but um yeah and that is absolutely uh there's a web there's a link for our email and that's you know um that's the best way to get a hold of us great so. awesome uh, and i like ending my podcast with this can you give me one recommendation of anything at all uh, it can be a book a movie music a way of life a quote just anything I know that's a start with a huge question and with a huge question. Wow, a recommendation! I would say, um, read Martin McDonough plays. Okay. Yeah. I I find them absolutely fascinating. I wish we could do more. And you kind of looked at me when I said School and Connemara. I mm-hmm. wasn't sure if you knew what. I, that I'm is. actually not familiar with it. But we've done Pillow Man and School yeah. and Connemara and. Uh, there are more out there, and oh, 
Oh, if you're a theater, if you're a theater or it's really fun, dark humor that turns me on. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> That's perfect. Uh, well, Rebecca, thank you so much again for sitting down with me. It's been an awesome, awesome interview. Um, you can find this podcast on Facebook and SoundCloud and iTunes. And hey, if you're on iTunes, why don't you give me five stars, please? Thank you. <laughs> uh, thank you so much, listener, for listening. And I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. That is how I end my podcast.